0: Filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started.
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room podcast. With the cost of living crisis and the war for talent both still raging on, many employers are still trying to find the balance between pay, benefits, well-being and everything else in the hopes of retaining and attracting talent. But does the answer to these challenges lie in looking at your strategy of wellness at its core? Well, today, to take a closer look at this topic today and to discuss the results of PwC's recent global workforce survey, we're delighted to be joined by Louise Shannon, Senior Manager, Reward and Workforce Strategy at PwC Ireland. Thanks for joining us, Louise. How are you?
2: Thanks, Owen. I'm very good. Yeah, excited to be here.
1: Brilliant stuff. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, Founder and Managing Director here at Inside HR. How are you, Mary?
3: I'm great. Thanks, Owen and Louise. We're excited to have you here, too.
1: Brilliant stuff. So we'll jump right in. So I suppose, Louise, I'll kick off with yourself. So uh, I know in a recent article, Louise, you mentioned that a focus on total wellness will bring the best returns for organisations. Can you talk to us a little bit about that concept of total wellness? Uh, What does it mean? What does it cover? That kind of stuff.
2: Yeah. So firstly, I think the whole area of employee wellness has never been more prominent. A recent PWC study found that 85% of workers said their well-being had declined during the pandemic. So I think the pandemic showed how quickly everything can change, um, and I suppose in a way how fragile life is. Things have evolved now, I think, to a place where many people want work to fit around their life, um, as opposed to the other way around. And we're seeing a greater emphasis on things like work-life balance and meaningful work. So wellness in the workplace has definitely become a strategic Priority for many organizations. And I think, in light of this, a key differentiator for organizations would be to have employee wellness front and center in their reward strategy. So, I I specialize in the area of reward consulting, and I definitely think now is the time to start rethinking and repurposing our total reward offerings to focus on total wellness. And so, in practical terms, what do I mean by that? Well, we see total wellness as a combination of six elements physical emotional mental social career and financial wellness and so what i'm talking about here is repurposing how you deliver and view reward by aligning with those six elements so it's splitting up i suppose the buckets of compensation benefits career progression flexibility all those things that you already have in place but under each of these with a focus on total wellness so you're trying to ensure that your employees overall holistic wellness needs are met. You know, so it's not just about a once off initiative. And then alongside this, I think is incorporating those data driven insights to understand your employee needs and what they value. So you can align employee preferences to their total wellness. And by doing this, then it becomes a bottom up approach rather than employer led. And the focus then is more on the person and not necessarily what the
1: role attracts. 100%. And I suppose, Mary, well-being is something, it's nothing new, obviously. Um, it's something that we've been, we're just not, not just ourselves, but I mean the whole industry and all companies have been talking about it for quite a while now, but it still remains a bit of a challenge, Mary, doesn't it? I suppose things like things like all the things that Louise mentioned there, well-being definitely isn't a one-size-fits-all approach. So I suppose things like tailoring your strategy, listening to employees, adapting to ways of working, it can still be quite a challenge, Mary, cause, can't it?
3: I think so, Owen, and, and I agree with you, Louise. The pandemic has thrown up a lot of things for a lot of people. For For many people, they embrace things like walking and cycling and ways of getting out of, of the home during the pandemic. And with the busyness of life again now, I think it's harder for people to maintain those habits. Um, For instance, you know, when it comes to physical well-being, uh, when it comes to uh, mental well-being, the the pressures again of of your commute and getting back out into the workplace, and and depending on the sector, I guess as well, you know, there is a bit of a, a vibe, I think, and uh, certainly coming from the US and Silicon Valley, that hey, maybe this hybrid approach and this remote approach to work isn't working anymore, and that fear that people now have, maybe I'm going to be called back in more to the office uh, or the commute is there. So lots of things start to get dropped, time with family, um, costs increasing, you know, time for exercise, sleep, pressures of work, all all of these things um, are different depending on the sector, depending on the organisation, depending on the uh, industry, depending on the time of the year, maybe in many organisations. And so the strategy for every organisation will differ depending on its demographic, depending on um, the kind of pressures that that organisation itself faces. um, And, you know, how you're addressing each of those core areas that Louise and PwC have rightly identified as making up total wellness. Um, You know, I I was laughing with uh, the team here this morning when I came in, I've just gone back to the gym. After three years, I was a gym goer before the pandemic. But with the pandemic, I started walking, I started doing online gyms, I started doing all sorts of things sporadically, and decided, you know what, I've got to Get back out now and do something consistent, something for my own wellness and all the rest of it. Now, I'm half crippled, I have to say. I, I, I can hardly walk today after two days at the gym, but um, feel better. And it has had a huge impact on sleep and all of those things in this week alone. So the benefit, I think, of physical, mental, emotional, social, career, uh, all of those things build up um and it's so important that as part of total wellness we also look at our management too because career and well-being is very closely linked to how you're getting on at work you spend a lot of time there Uh, how you relate not just to your peers but also your managers um and Poor management is something that I think also has to be looked at when it comes to developing strategy around total wellness in the workplace.
1: Definitely, and it's great to see, I suppose, it being spoken about under such the, such a kind of a broad range of headings like Louise and PwC have said. I suppose one thing that did appear slightly, Louise, and I suppose it's maybe slightly in contradiction to what we're talking about, but over the course of the pandemic, it could have been the effect of remote working. and um, We did see pay coming back to the top of the list when it came to what employees wanted, what they wanted from their employers, that kind of thing. Um I suppose the pandemic might have, might have kind of leveled the playing field where we were all at home and it was just all about pay, which I know that's kind of a devil's advocate kind of comment. But what has PwC, I suppose, learned or found from the Global Workforce Survey in that regard as pay kind of still up there? What's, what's it all about?
2: Yeah, oh, and I think recent trends are definitely showing that organisations are increasing salaries to attract and retain employees. And while I do think competitive packages are important, to finding and keeping talent, I think a focus on total wellness is going to bring greater returns for the organization beyond retention in the form of enhanced productivity and sustained performance. Um, Perhaps perhaps companies are reacting in the short term with higher pay, but this is not necessarily sustainable. Our survey also suggests that there is a widening gap uh, and disconnection between leaders' perceptions and what employees actually value. We have a very diverse workforce and employees needs and preferences are going to vary greatly and priorities will change over time. However, one aspect that is in common is that employees want their employers to listen to them and most importantly to take action. So our survey showed that two out of every three employees felt their voice is not heard or listened to by their manager or employer. And when considering a job change, 60% of employees consider well-being one of the most important factors in that decision. And, you know, retention is a real issue. We found that um, within our CEO survey, one in five employees plan to switch employers in the next 12 months. So I think the traditional approaches to reward strategies just won't cut it and won't be enough to retract and retain talent. I think employers need to consider how their employees want to live and work and show them that they care about their needs in practical ways by personalizing their reward components.
1: Definitely, and it's great to, I suppose, talk about wellness and reward in the same, in the same sentence, in the same phrase, because maybe traditionally they might have been quite separate, so it's fantastic to hear them combine like that. I suppose, just kind of building on your, your point there, Louise, when it comes to employers, what kind of questions should we be asking ourselves when we're trying to build these rewards, these wellness strategies?
2: Yeah, I think firstly, uh, organizations can look at their total reward strategy with a wellness lens. So, you know, take a fresh look and see if it aligns with your evolving workforce, you know, and does it really optimize the financial and non-financial rewards to enhance total wellness? Secondly, I think the organizations can consider, like, are we effectively engaging our talent and understanding their preferences? So by listening to employees, you can tailor your reward programs to their needs. And also, by assessing the perceived value of reward entitlements, you can drive optimization and improve that overall return on investment. You know, I think it's important to note that individual preferences will change over time. So an offering that evolves to suit the changing needs of the employee is going to deliver the greatest value. I think incorporating an element of choice is something that we're going to see a lot more of in the market. 100%
1: and I suppose just building on that, Mary, anything to add there around kind of advice for employers, what What should they look at? I suppose the tailoring piece is quite a huge part of it, Mary, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I think the the life cycle of the employee is important because your needs uh, over your own lifetime very hugely, and I, you know, just even at a personal level, I think about me as a young person entering the workforce, and and my needs for socialization being much greater than they are maybe now today, um, and the the importance of connecting, connecting, and connections with people in the workplace it was huge at that time. It, you know, formed part of my social life. It I made some of friends for life at that time uh, through my work. And as I progressed over time through, you know, uh, having a young family, having teenagers, having children leave home and go to college, um, now to not having uh, people at home anymore, my priorities around my own wellness have changed the time I can devote to me and the things that are important. My financial needs have changed throughout that period as well. So if you just take any one person, your needs at any given time are going to change. And I think that's, that's really important. One thing that always concerns me, and I hear a lot of, I hear a lot of people talking about um, the idea that corporate life uh, didn't suit them because of family. And because of that, they left corporate life um, and maybe went into consulting or took up other roles or or roles that were less demanding on their time. And I do think when it comes to wellness and total wellness and reward, and, um, you know, really looking at parenting and, um you know, how people feel about their ability to uh, carry on meaningful careers and parent at the same time is a challenge. Um, I certainly left corporate life myself because of that particular issue. Trying to balance children and long hours at work wasn't really feasible for me. And I hear so many um, young women in particular talking about the pressures, particularly when they have young children, um, you know, having to go back to work after the children have gone to sleep. But, you know, if you've got a, a young baby, that baby might not well be in a pattern uh, and people are having to work really late hours uh, after the children have gone to bed. Um, and I think these are some of the things that, that HR really do need to look at. There is work. There's the need of the business and there is the need of the individual. And I think you're missing a trick if you don't really look at those uh, issues and really think about, well, what can we do? If it comes back to what Louise is saying, we're listening to employee voice. Are we giving people opportunity to say, well, what's the reality of their life uh, working in this organization? Um, Because Behind, um, I suppose, a lot of strategies out there are individuals and individuals are having experiences, whether they're financial pressures, working hour pressures, workload pressures, poor management, um, poor nutrition, poor sleep, um, lack of time. These are very real issues. Or maybe as, as you're aging, your position in the work force your uh, things like menopause, health issues, all of these play into your overall sense of well-being. And I think it's really important that we are listening carefully to what people have to say and what is the experience of individuals. I, I always have this uh, I memory of myself at one point when I had Two small children and and one older but small child um and being you know struggling to get out in the morning, having the military like operation to get to the crash and drop to school, being late for work because getting stuck in traffic, and um the pressure having to leave work when uh, you know I, there were things to be done and I couldn't do them because I had children to pick up in the evening um, come home, cook, get them to bed, bath it, whatever was involved in my routine and go back to work. Um, and that was hard. And that is that unfortunately has not changed uh, in lots and lots of organizations, and I do think it's uh, family and pressure and time and work really needs to be considered.
1: I mm-hmm. understand. I suppose Mary kind of in a similar point. Then I know there's a lot of obviously movement in the jobs market, lady. And if people are, I suppose, suffering from well, I don't I'm not sure what the term is, but if there's bad well-being, if they if they have a, a bad well-being balance, work-life balance in the current company, they will be looking at other companies, won't they? they will be looking at things like. Pay is quite visible when you look at a new role. Pay is quite visible, but I suppose something like well-being isn't as apparent until you arrive in that new organisation, Mary, is it? So I suppose well-being is particularly important when you want to keep your staff as well, Mary, isn't it? Because it's one of those things that, to a certain extent, it's within the company's control. Mary, would I be right in saying that?
3: I, I think it is, but there's always the the demand and pressure of work too. So you know, there there is a balance, and you know there's no utopia out there there's no company that's going to say listen come in and and just have a great time mix and mingle um while you're here all day and and you, you don't have to achieve certain tasks or or objectives during your day so there's no utopia out there but maybe i i think the pandemic has taught us that can have a better quality of life uh, if certain things are in place, and I think it's wonderful that well-being has come to the focus, and so many organisations are looking at, you know, uh, mental health days and time off for um, things that matter to employees, whether that's getting involved in local communities or with voluntary groups, and you know, talks on nutrition and balance and work-life balance and um you know the availability of apps i i love my apps for meditations and and all of that i mean i really embraced this whole personal wellness journey um because it, it, it has made such a huge difference to my life but I still work really hard, and I'm sure that's true of you, Louise. And I know it's true of you, Owen. Uh, we work really hard, and and all of us have to balance our lives with our working life. Money matters, of course. It really matters now. We all go to the supermarket and find that you know when we look at our basket, it, it, the costs have increased. Our electricity costs have increased. Our um, heating our homes has increased just everything seems to have increased clothes food commodities socializing everything everything has increased so our financial wellness Mm -hmm. plays in as well so to me there's a lot of things that employers need to think about but they can't solve every problem either Uh, i love what pwc are doing uh, in terms of looking at each area because for each area, if you've got financial issues, if you're in financial trouble, if you aren't able to feed your family with your income and um, if you're if your family a poor nutrition because you're not earning enough money, then these things are really going to impact on your productivity. It's going to impact on your happiness. It's going to impact on your family's wellness and, and lead to issues, mental health issues and illness Um, you know that's just part of life. So I think it's, it is important mm-hmm. that employers are looking at these things and really thinking them through carefully.
1: Definitely and there's so many parts to it and I suppose that'll be reflected in the fact that Louise we're dedicating a full month to well-being on the podcast and we're only touching on maybe three or four topics that are only, geez, we're only touching the, the surface when it comes to well-being. So I suppose but there's also look a lot of benefits from this as well. So Louise I know although there's no utopia there is some potential benefits to getting this right, in a sense, for companies. Isn't there? What are the ones that kind of jump out to you?
2: Mm-hmm, for sure. I think a key benefit, um, as we've touched on, is, is enhanced workforce productivity. And there's a lot of evidence to support this. You know, for example, in a recent um, PwC study where we looked at employee financial wellness, we found that 76 percent of stressed employees say that financial worries have had a negative impact on their productivity. And we know that poor mental wellness can result in higher levels of absenteeism and the lack of future career development opportunities contribute to employee attrition. So it's not something that can be ignored. Uh, It's also not just about the total wellness strategy. I think you need leadership alignment um, and in some instances, a cultural shift. So we've seen in our CEO survey that talent retention is a clear long-term goal. I think the war for talent is going to remain fierce, so keeping talent happy and engaged is a critical priority. And this is also a win-win scenario. you know so you will not only see greater levels of engagement, but also better, you know, business and societal outcomes. In particular, with ESG strategies you know employee wellness is a pivotal factor in this so not only are businesses improving their bottom line but also contributing to a better and you know safer place to live and work.
1: 100% I suppose the similar question Louise the inverse of that you've, you've alluded to a couple of them there things like absenteeism increased burnout that kind of stuff as well is there any particular ones that jump out to you if people ignore well-being if they don't get if they don't even make an attempt to promote it in their organization.
2: Yeah, well, I think in particular, actually, is, uh, mental health, you know, um, I think the scope of mental health challenges facing workers now um, is is an issue um, and it suggests, I think, the companies maybe can do a lot more to support worker wellbeing, and I think employees will demand more. And that's why HR departments, they need to stay ahead. I think a comprehensive wellness strategy is a big differentiator and organisations need to use this to gain a competitive advantage, um, and also create unique added value for their employees.
1: 100%. So I suppose this is perfect, perfect segue to the, to the final question for yourself, Mary. When it comes to companies who are listening now and they want to, I suppose, make some steps, make a start on on reviewing their wellbeing strategy, building one, and particularly even for smaller companies, Mary, who wouldn't have big budgets. Does everything require an investment? I suppose. Um, Any kind of tips in that regard for people who want to just kind of review things, get off on the right foot and really kind of make a push towards positive well-being in their their company this year?
3: Listening to your employees is key. It's the starting point. So um, any size of an organization can listen to their employees if they go about it in a strategic way, Um, you know, through a combination of uh, surveying, um, you know, focus groups, one-to-one interviews, you can absolutely get a feel from the employee body about what matters to them, what struggles they face within the organisation, how they feel about management and leadership within the organisation, and what particular challenges are there for them. And once you have that data, then you're in a position to develop Uh, a program. And I'm a real believer, um, just like you said, Louise, you know, one-off initiatives, one-off strategy, you know, a talk from a nutritionist about nutrition is wonderful. But, you know, what's it ultimately going to do for the organization um, if it's not part of an overall plan around um, health and well-being? And there are things that can be done that are free um, as well. It doesn't all have to uh, cost money in a sense. You know, you see lots of running clubs or walking clubs or health easing programs or, um, you know, recommendations for apps that people can download or meditations that people can download. If you're smart about it uh, in, in the people function, if you're smart about it in HR, I think you could come up with quite a nice program if you listen, plan and implement. Uh, and I'll always say that, no matter what the size of the organization, you, you can come up with a program, uh, uh, cost it out, um, budget for it, look for support for it from the senior management. But again, you've got to, you've got to get your ducks in a row. You've got to budget and plan and figure it out. Um, they're, they're, you're never going to get approval for anything unless you have a plan. Um, and to me, that's, that's what a strategy a wellness strategy is all about a plan for the year. What are you going to do for the year? What are you going to do over the next three years? And how much is it going to cost you? And any size of an organisation can do it.
1: 100%. That's something we say so often on this podcast. It's about kind of looking internally, listening listening to your employees, looking at what's out there. I mean, things like the PwC surveys are huge. Tons of insights in there about what you can do. And there's a lot of things where you could read that and look look at it and say, actually, that's, that's free. That's just a leadership style. That's just something else. Um, so look, fantastic to get some of those insights from you, Louise, and again from yourself, Mary, um, on I suppose kind of practical advice. There. So look, really appreciate the both your time. So thankful, thank, thanks to both of you for a very insightful discussion. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening. We'll catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast. So don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels. Do listen out for the rest of our, I suppose, well-being podcast over the course of this month. We'll be covering a lot of these topics that Louise has touched upon. Um, trying our best to cover it all, I suppose. Um, but look, we, we'll, we'll try our best. And as always, for HR consultancy services and management you can trust, get in touch with us today at InsideHR.ie. Thank you, Louise, and thank you, Mary.
3: Thanks, Owen. Thanks, Louise. Thanks.
0: Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room Podcast, the podcast series from HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like, and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at InsightHR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.